Today, once again, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Pastor Catherine for orchestrating this year's Lenten series entitled, Witnesses. Over the past five weeks, we have encountered various witnesses to Jesus' ministry throughout the Gospel of St. Matthew, prayerfully seeking to see and hear Jesus through spirited, fresh perspectives, fresh eyes, fresh ears. So from the witness of the healed, the humbled, the children, we conclude today with the forgiven. And so, dear family and friends, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Capernaum. Capernaum was a bustling little fishing town on the northwest shores of Lake Galilee. And on this particular day, as St. Matthew is witnessing, the sky was filled with screeching seagulls, circling about as fishermen were pulling their nets full of fish from their boats and dragging them onto dry ground. But then there came this swishing sound of another boat, a boat that was carrying a young itinerant teacher who churned some of these fishermen into fishers of people. News of his amazing teaching and healing power had spread far and wide throughout Galilee and throughout all of Judea. The boat's wooden keel now skidded up onto the sandy shores of this little town, a town this teacher named Jesus called home base for his ministry. Now, without breaking stride, St. Matthew jumps right into the plot line if you have your Bibles open to verse 2, which reads, And behold, they brought to Jesus a paralytic lying on his bed, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. There are a couple of important matters for us to behold here. The first, look how it is that this paralytic is being carried by his friends into Jesus' presence. There's the sense of how it is that faith lives under one great compulsion. That is to get into the presence of Jesus. There is this sense of intercessory faith. And the way we carry our friends and family to Jesus in every time and space, especially in these times of the corona virus pandemic, is by praying for them. Martin Luther says of this intercessory or alien faith, the friends win for their paralytic friend with their faith, a faith of his own. For this sick man at first had no faith, but afterward he heard the word, and Christ poured into the man a faith of the man's own, awakened him with the gospel, 
For Jesus pours faith in through his holy word. So comments Luther on this passage. And so it is that the power of the Holy Spirit takes our witness of faith, feeble though it may be, and then uses it to awaken faith in others. My friends, to you as Christian parents, baptismal sponsors, Sunday school and confirmation teachers, take heart and encouragement here. As the great 20th century theologian Ed Skilabakes writes, people are the words by which God continues to tell God's story of salvation and healing. Second, Note how striking it is that Jesus addresses this man's paralysis by a word of forgiveness. Your sickness is healed. This would make far more sense, right? But when Jesus says your sins are forgiven, we witness, as does the paralytic and his friends, that Jesus is doing some kind of what we might call word surgery. Jesus reaches deep down beneath the man's paralysis to his guilt and removing that cures him at his roots. For what is at the root of all illness but sin? Now the relation between sin and sickness is one of the most difficult and delicate of questions in theology But in this story, there is a clear connection. However, as we know from the book of Job or passages such as John chapter 9, we must beware of crass connections between sin and suffering. But again, much of Scripture from Genesis 3 to this text teaches a connection between sin and human ill that just can't be waved aside or dismissed. The psalmist gets at this well in Psalm 32. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered. For when I declare not my sin, my body wastes away through my groaning all day long. And we see this many times in psychotherapy as a catharsis or a healing occurs when deep-seated, repressed guilt is confessed, when we become honest with ourselves. I remember my elementary school years in Montevideo, Minnesota, thinking that I was suffering an appendicitis, like I had these terrible, crunching pains on my left abdomen. Well, it was because I think I'd stolen some apples from a neighbor's tree. But when I witnessed and confessed to my neighbor the transgression, all of a sudden the abdominal pains went away. Well, this neighbor, who also happened to be a family physician, said, Oh, yes, by the way, John, your appendix is on your right side. Doctor, doctor, I'm healed. Well, as members of Christ's body, as his church, 
there has always been an appreciation that with the forgiveness of sins, we're at an ultimate place. That is, we are in relation to God. And in our gospel text, this is exactly what is to be inferred when Jesus says, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. As he teaches us to pray, our Father in heaven, my son, my daughter. Up till now in Jesus' ministry, the scribes and Pharisees have put him in question as a gifted teacher and faith healer, but now they're beginning to put him on a cross. Why? Look with me at verse 3. And I think they're quite right here. Follow their line of questioning. Now, if only God can forgive sins, and you are proclaiming this man's sins to be forgiven, then, well, who do you think you are? God? Blasphemy. Their minds must have been flooded with Scripture, such as spoken through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 43. For I alone am he, says the Lord God, who blots out your transgressions. Well, Jesus then cuts to the heart of this matter, to the central question and pronouncement now in verses 5 through 6. Jesus says, so which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then says to the paralytic, rise, take up your bed, and go home. Now, the easier thing to say, of course, is a word of forgiveness, because no visible proof is really necessary. It's far more difficult to say a word of healing, because truth or falsehood can instantly then be verified. But Jesus keeps the issue focused where he wants it to be. As his divine authority comes now face to faith with these human claims of blasphemy. And so for the paralytic and his friends, for the scribes, and for all the world to hear and see, yes, to witness, as Jesus holds divine authority from above and human healing on earth below, he tells the man, once paralyzed, now restored to health, to take up his bed and go home. And so he does. And heaven and nature sing. To conclude, I'd like for you to note how St. Matthew uses the word home here like bookends in the first and the last verses of witnessing the story of the paralytic. Home is the place where, whenever you go there, says the American poet Robert Frost. It is a place where you're always welcomed in. I should have called it something I somehow haven't to deserve. And what is that something we somehow haven't to deserve but God's grace enfolding us 
just lying there, paralyzed by fear and anxiety in a world filled with the threat of a pandemic peril, and calls us to witness the ultimate authority and victory over sin and death in Jesus, his cross and resurrection. Free now to move, free now to be, free now to witness in his name. For the forgiveness of sins closes the past and opens a new future. And oh, what do you suppose the man once paralyzed witnessed after walking back home? What about you? Yes, where there is forgiveness of sin, there is life and salvation and healing. In Jesus' name, amen.